Hi, this is Yvette Francino, and we are in a new year and starting a new season for Carpe Diem Connections. This season, we'll be talking about action for happiness and 10 keys to happier living. Let's get going. Hello, everybody. I am very excited today because I have an award winning podcast host here with me today, Claudia Mitura. And I, I think it's really fun how I met her virtually is that I just was woke up early one morning and I asked Alexa to play me a happiness podcast. And her podcast was on, it's called And Hot Happiness. And she and her co-host were doing every podcast episode, they were taking a different aspect of happiness and using the letter of the week or a, a letter, a different letter. So they started with A and ended with Z as being zest. And I love that kind of thing. I'm just such a theme nut. And I especially love the alphabet as a theme. And so I was just immediately enamored. And so I went, got on LinkedIn and I invited Claudia to connect and she responded and I asked her if she'd be on my podcast and here she is. So yay. <laughs> and so Claudia, I'm going to hand it over to you. Tell me more about how you got interested in positive psychology and, and these different topics. And by the way, for our listeners, we're going to be focusing specifically on awareness and mindfulness topic today. We're following the Action for Happiness, 10 Keys to Happiness. We're on the fourth one, which is labeled as awareness on their website. I think it's a lot like mindfulness as well. So Claudia, take it away. Tell us more about you and your interest in awareness and positive psychology. Mm. Thank you so much, Yvette, first of all, for having me. I mean, it's amazing. I remember when I received your message on LinkedIn, I was so happy that, you know, you're on a different uh, continent to me and you found our podcast on happiness. So I'm absolutely delighted to be here. Uh, my background is a work psychologist. So I always been working within the field of psychology, specifically for organizations. And I always said that my purpose at work is to boost happiness of employees and colleagues. So really professionally, I know from experience, statistics and research that happiness, the happiness in the workplace really leads to very measurable, important outcomes. And since kind of realizing those outcomes, like increased productivity, being more likely to be promoted, etc. I really started up to apply positive psychology within the business settings. And then personally, really, um, as I think everyone on the planet in 2020, I went also through very tough times. And I really felt like I need to increase my resilience uh, because I just thought, okay, this is just the start of the pandemic and it's already such a hard ride. I need to kind of equip myself with the right positive tools. And I really feel that posi positive psychology offers us a very factual information, studies and models that we are able to apply in our personal journey. Yeah, I love that. I am so on board with you how the happiness in the workplace is so important. And it just makes such a difference to our overall mental health. And that makes us more productive and just enjoying life and work. So 
Good for you for really bringing that to the workplace. So uh, let's talk specifically about this idea of awareness or mindfulness. And I read the Action for Happiness book and the chapter about this, and they really talk a lot about using meditation as a, a way to gain mindfulness or awareness. What do you think of that? Do you practice meditation? I know there's a lot of different kinds of meditation. So tell us about what your thoughts are on the meditation practice. Yes. So first of all, I definitely practice meditation, but I really, and I really believe in its power, but I think we all need to assess how it can serve us. And it really can have a different meanings and outcomes for us. So for instance, for me personally, my mind is very future oriented. This has obviously amazing good points for me because I'm an excellent planner and I can be very strategic in my work and think outside of the box. But the drawback is that my mind has a tendency to go and really analyze what if scenarios, uh, which sometimes makes me quite prone to catastrophizing and uh, being quite anxious. And I use meditation personally to break that pattern of my mind. When I go in that vicious circle and in that anxiety loop, meditation is perfect for me to break that pattern and really refocus myself. So I try to meditate every day for 10 minutes to really just help me to concentrate what's in front of me and what is my reality right now. I also really like taking three minutes mindful breaks in between meetings and projects and conversations with people to again, I get quite overexcited with all the energy I get from wonderful people that I work with. So I just try to refocus my brain. But I must say meditation is not my favorite activity. <laughs> it doesn't um, suit me naturally because I'm quite impatient and full of energy. So I really needed to almost practice this, almost like literally force myself into it to start having the benefits and that I have right now that I can really, really help to calm down my mind. So I think it's a great, powerful tool. But it's not for everyone. And we just need to find out how we can use it to our advantage. Yeah, I took a class in meditation, an online Udemy class. I'm not sure if you pronounce it Udemy or Udemy. But anyway, there are these classes that you can take online. And there, it was pretty comprehensive. And it talked about seven different types of meditation. Each of them had their own techniques or sort of framework of what you were supposed to do. What you, a lot of them did seem to try to teach you to control your mind, often to just be thinking about breathing or different parts of your body. Or I, I get that it's kind of about like bringing your mind to the now and what's happening and not let it sort of drift off and ruminate about especially things that maybe you're worrying about. However, I, being really interested in positive psychology, I'm often listening to podcasts and things that are positive and planning, but happy with planning. I mean, happy, happily thinking happy thoughts, or even when I'm ruminating about the past, maybe I'm thinking about happy memories or learning from what I did before. And so I kind of was curious to me on this whole mindfulness thing is, is it, if you're not thinking about negative things or stressing or worrying, then 
is it really, isn't that really okay? I mean, is it really necessary to not ruminate or why not let us have our, our times when we're ruminating if those are positive? To me, that is more beneficial than thinking about my breath or kind of, I, I just get this sense of it's wasting time almost if all I'm doing is <laughs> sitting for an hour and thinking about my breath. That feels like that's, I get it that it's calming and it's a lot better than thinking, than worrying, but it's also an hour I could have been planning something positive. So mm -hmm. what are your, what do you think about that? Yeah, that, that is a very interesting point, Yvette, because you're right, is it, is it only to break that negative patterns? And if we're thinking positive, why we should be trying to refocus our brain? But I feel that meditation gives us a break from that thinking. Even if it's positive, it's still lots of energy. And we can still get really wind up and really be in the moment of what's next and all oh, that's so exciting and you're right those are beautiful emotions we we need to for our resilience be optimistic and future focused but I still think it's quite nice to take a break from that thinking and just appreciate the ordinary moment of just being and breathing and as you mentioned there are seven different types of meditations and i'm really confident that we can all find something that is uh, powerful for us so i prefer counting or positive mantras when i meditate because if you would just put me in a room for one hour and tell me not to think i would probably just start climbing walls <laughs> yeah. uh, it's 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 just very very difficult but again the question obviously uh, being if it's that difficult maybe it's that much needed for my brain um yeah so I think it's very much finding something that it's suitable for you and also let's remember that meditation doesn't have to be I'm sitting right now and let me switch off my thinking we could be doing mindful walking we could be doing mindful running the idea is to Pay attention with no judgment to your sensation right now and appreciate the ordinary activity of breathing. Because how often do we do that? Wow, amazing. I'm breathing. I'm grateful for that. Yes, I agree completely. And I do see the benefits of when we're walking or when we're with someone. We, you know, it's that whole be here now, really being present and not letting our minds be distracted by other things during during our present moments. And I do think that meditation is one way of trying to train our brain to be more present. And, and so I agree that that's a, a good thing. And there are, again, there I'm sure I just learned seven, but there probably are even <laughs> a lot of other kinds of meditations. The one I liked best, and I think they talk about it in the Action for Happiness book, is one, I think it might be called a compassionate meditation or something like that, where you kind of go through this mantra of wishing yourself, your friends, your and even maybe people you're having challenges with in the world, peace and happiness. And, and I think, again, that just allows you, it's almost like a prayer. If, you, if you're a prayerful kind of person that you're bringing peace to yourself and sort of emanating that to people around you and in, in your thoughts, which 
hopefully again, and then in your demeanor and what is going to be contagious to others will, will show up if that's the way you're thinking versus if you're super stressed and worried, then that also is contagious to people around you. So it is a, a great you know, way, I think, to help, as you've said, to calm our minds and help us be more aware. Another thing that I've been really interested in that I've compared this to, this awareness and mindfulness is emotional intelligence. Have you done any work or read about emotional intelligence? Yes, absolutely. I think emotional intelligence is very important to our happiness. And it's uh, according, obviously, to the most famous model uh, by Daniel Goleman. It includes very specific components, which you perfectly right. They are really very related to mindfulness because these are self-awareness, self-regulation, self-motivation, empathy, and our social skills. But what that really means in practice for me personally, when I think about emotional intelligence is, am I aware of my emotions? Am I aware that I can change my emotions? Am I aware how my emotions are impacting other people around me? And you already mentioned that negative energy spreads, positive energy spreads, and how I can really influence emotions of other people. And I think it's really difficult to be having high emotional intelligence if you don't have that mindfulness and awareness aspect, because you cannot do the first step of how am I feeling? and how other people are feeling, assessment, to be able to then act accordingly. Yes, I agree with you. It's almost like mindfulness or learning mindfulness is a prerequisite first, or maybe the first step to emotional intelligence, because with mindfulness, you're really kind of learning control over your own mind. And then as you expand or learn more about emotional intelligence, you are expanding to try to understand that awareness to others. And I don't know though, again, whether or not there's no set rules that this is exactly how you become mindful. Again, people talk about these meditation or doing different meditations. And I know that for many people, that is just transformational to, to their mental health and their well being. And they have a regular practice of of doing it in a way that works for them all the time. I my co-host Becky who did the this podcast in season 2 with me has a regular practice of that and she swears by it and and is I probably haven't done it enough to have gotten to that level but again my understanding of it is or my practice of it I'm a little bit resistant to it because of that aspect of sort of feeling like I don't want to think about my breath. So I don't want those types of meditations, but I do like the practice of being very self-aware in the moment. As you said, when I'm on a nature walk or with a different person or whatever I'm doing, I just like to be doing something other than being by myself and just breathing because I feel like I can do that when I'm trying to go to sleep. <laughs> I don't, and I know that part of meditation is that you're not supposed to go to sleep. I mean, that's mm -hmm. one of those. And you're supposed to sit and, you know, certain ones have these rules of they want you to sit and they want you to, to not be too comfortable. I will ch would challenge those rules a little bit and say, can, can't I, 
For example, I like to, I've created this new ritual for myself about a Sunday spa, self spa day where I'm, it's sort of my end of the week, have this really beautiful bath and just sit and reflect. And so I'm kind of breaking a rule right then because I'm reflecting about the past week and I'm kind of thinking about the future week. But I also have some of it being just really taking in the sensations of the water and the smells and the sounds and, and, and really being in the present too. So I have my own little ceremony that I think allows me to end the week cleanly as I feel, you know, I guess both literally and um, figuratively. <laughs> and to me that it works sort of like, I think a meditation or an awareness would. And it also, I'm an agile coach and that they have, there are a lot of different rituals and things, but one of the big things is reflection and what can I do differently next time? Or what can I learn from what I have done already? And so I feel like I kind of have that, those aspects within that, that little ritual. And so I think having the awareness is really important and whatever ways we can do it and really kind of getting down to the, why are we doing this? As you said, if, if our minds are, are churning and we're not able to really enjoy the present, then it might be time to stop and use some of these technique techniques to, mm. to help us be able to stay focused and positive. And so I think like many things, we each have to kind of learn what works for us in being able to do that. Mm, absolutely. And I think if we keep it simple, it will just become more manageable for us. Yeah. So uh, the, the concept of mindfulness really clicked in my head. And I really felt I understood it when I read the very lovely short book by Jan Kabat-Zinn, who introduced the concept of mindfulness in relation to pain management for people with um, long-term illnesses. And he, in this book, simply says, be where you are, as in truly be where you are. And that sentence, that title really resonated with me. Am I truly being where I am or I'm in the past or I'm in the future or I'm in my own illusionary reality where my life is right now, right here? And if I don't pay attention to this moment in time and be mindful about it, it's gone forever. I cannot bring it back. And for me, that was amazing. And what allowed me to become more mindful was taking a pause. That simple as that, taking as many pauses as possible between my emotions, between my actions, and really just saying, okay, I'm here, I'm breathing, great. And I really try to incorporate those pauses on on regular basis throughout the day. So I'm, I try to keep it simple as much as possible and really just engage with reality as it is in front of me. Because I know, as I already said, when it's gone, it's gone. I cannot bring it back. Yeah. Yeah, that is really interesting. And I have been really interested in those studies on pain as well, how this mindfulness practice can, you know, they've proven that that can really help people who are in pain. I've been super curious about that, though, because when I have, like, let's just take running, for example, I used to be a runner. And if I was really being super mindful of how I was feeling when I was running, then I would be, 
it was kind of painful. I mean, you know, but if I was distracted by talking to a friend, it would go by really quickly. So I, it's almost like when you're in pain, I almost feel like, again, if you can have a positive distraction to not, because if you're not distracted by anything and you're just staying, then it seems like your mind is like feeling the pain more. So I, um, I'm just really, again, very curious about that practice of meditation and being in the now with pain. I always feel like if there is a positive thing that can distract me, that gets me in a better place than the, the negative. But I also, again, know that if you're being really negative, like when you're in pain, how can you help but like be thinking of that pain unless you have a distraction? I, mm. I yeah, it is. It is a very interesting one because it's it's quite interesting. I think the more um, personally for me, the more I try to get rid of pain from my body, if I when I have it, I then actually get more resistance from my body whereas if I breathe in into the pain it actually gets more manageable mm -hmm. and I know it's quite counterintuitive as you're saying we want to forget about unpleasant emotion and, and pain but really when we face them or concentrate on them they're not that scary and mm -hmm. I think that's exactly what happens in our brain in our mind says this is horrible. This is awful. I cannot stand this. Whereas actually, if we bring, if we bring that assessment towards, this is not ideal, but it's fine. Mm -hmm. Suddenly, quite lots of tension releases from our body because we don't have to fight the pain anymore. We are with that pain. Mm -hmm. And we can see that the pain is changing. It goes up and down, um, worse and actually better times. And that it's temporary. It will pass in some level or another. It will be, we will have a break from it. So I think it's, yeah, I think it's sometimes we do need a bit of courage to face it. Yeah, um, yeah. And sometimes concentrating on something positive, as you're saying, gives us that additional energy and power to then come back to that pain and be with that pain. Yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying. And I really think it a lot has to do with the combination of your mental pain with your physical pain. And if you are focusing on that breathing, you're not having that part of your mind that's scared and fearful and, and, and you're now thinking just breathe. And that breathing itself helps, as you've said, uh, calm the mind that then adds on to helping reduce the pain. And so it is, I think it's just fascinating this mind-body connection and how our thoughts often are what are causing us pain. And so that is what this meditation awareness, I think is helping you be able to not let those thoughts cause you pain and, mm -hmm. and redirect them to either breathing or again, I like to, depending on, I don't, I haven't experienced this through big pain, so I'm not sure. I think then, like you said, if you're just experiencing a really big thing, if you could just do what they do teach you in meditation is just take those deep breaths, really stay focused on the moment and the breaths and not let the mind be, you know, just running away with your, your, your fear thoughts. Mm -hmm. So, um, and also, I think one big 
discovery for me through and happiness podcast which um it is a combination of science but also practical there that me and my co-host do and see how that impacted our happiness is that we our mind is working quite hard to kind of almost trick us that we need other things and we need change in our situation to be happy and actually we can be happy right now right here in an instant moment and actually meditation and mindfulness reminds us about us that actually all those conditions we're creating i'll be happy if i got this i'll be happy if i don't have this actually we can be happy right now right here it's um, that was the biggest discovery for me truly because what the question that we ask in the podcast for all the alphabet what was what makes me happy and we didn't mean a new car, more money, better partner, traveling around the, around the globe, nothing of that sort. We really meant what I need internally to put myself in a state of happiness, even though my reality is maybe very challenging right now. Mm-hmm. And we both struggle with something. And it's fascinating to discover that once you put certain practical methods like the meditation, like the mindfulness, you suddenly realize that you could be happy in any circumstances. And that is almost like a revelation and a lift of the pressure, because then it doesn't really matter what will come our way, we can find that happiness. And I know this may feel very cheesy, really cheesy, like, yeah, you can be happy anytime. Um, That's the kind of happiness we're talking about. So happiness is a big umbrella Mm -hmm. of lots of various emotions from joy to curiosity. Um, But it's very much having this thing that we internally are able to shape our mind and our thoughts in a way that can bring us that internal happiness really in in any circumstances. And there are lots of different tools. We're speaking about mindfulness, which is one very important tool. For me, it's also about knowing that I can provide contribution to myself and other people and having small achievable goals that allow me to do that. For my co-host Kitty, it was a lot about connecting with other people in a meaningful way and having a gratitude journal and on regular basis concentrating on gratitude. But really those methods were the methods that allowed us to be happy. Even there was pain, there was challenge, misery, lots of other bits. We're like, okay, we can be internally happy. Yes, I know it is. It's such a wonderful revelation and transformational when you do recognize that we have control over our happiness, that it isn't about the outcomes or what we're going to do. It's about having control of, of our thoughts. And it is, you know, just very inspirational. So I thank you so much for spreading that word for the work you do. I'm sure that the people in the workplace that are benefiting from all of your teaching and all of us listeners to your podcast have gained a lot and have better lives because of you. So thank you so much. And that is one of my goals as well as just to increase happiness in the world. It it makes a big difference more than we know that when we spread happiness, then that gets further spread to others. It's very contagious. And again, it's not something we have to wait until something happens. It's something we can do 
every day, Absolutely. anytime. Absolutely. And I think just to leave listeners that there is plenty of science behind that. So this is not a fluff. Um, this is not um, something we just you know, chatting about, uh, it's very scientifically proven. You can look at the neurological studies of how our brain changes because of the practice of pausing, because of the mindfulness, because of the gratitude. It's fascinating. So I really, really encourage people to have a little bit look into that topic and really, yeah, support it with a really good, strong science that happiness is definitely within our reach. So thank you so much for having me uh, on the show. And I really wish everyone, I would not wish, I dare everyone to be happy. <laughs> Great. Thank you, Claudia. Appreciate your time. Thank you so much, Yvette. <laughs> Listeners, we want to hear from you. So perhaps the easiest way is to find Carpe Diem Connections on Facebook in the Facebook group. Just search for Carpe Diem Connections and come join the discussion. You can also find me at carpediemday.com or email me directly at yvette.francino at gmail.com. See you next week on Carpe Diem Connections. <music>